yes, I indeed do still love you despite my absence. Welcome back to the University of Good podcast. I'm your host, Namdi Wenzapu, and again, I'm very sorry to have been away for so long, particularly without advance warning, but many of you know that I do that sometimes. Bad habit I continue to work on, and it is just a process. For those of you who are new, the University of Good is a online community designed to help me and other imperfect people learn how to live happier and healthier lives. To accomplish this goal, I spend 100% of my day learning how to live a happier and healthier life. Uh, This involves reading books, listening to podcasts, uh, walking around in the park aimlessly, uh, staring at trees, naming trees, talking to trees, um, you name it. And when I say happier and healthier, uh, the aim right, particularly when you take into context the imperfect, is that the goal here is not to become some elite uh, athlete, it's not to become the Buddha, it's not to, um, you know, refine myself or to encourage anyone to refine themselves into some polished diamond. The goal here is to acknowledge that we are imperfect, right? And to say, with the imperfection that I have, how can I make my time on this earth as enjoyable for myself as possible and as enjoyable for others as possible, right? How can I achieve both of those things? Uh, And that's the purpose of the podcast. And in many ways, it's uh, part of the reason why I took some time off from recording Uh, I was dealing with some severe mental health issues um, that I had to kind of work through, um, and I found that it was difficult to get on the microphone and um, share those. Um, Well, not not even that, I'll say. If I'm being fully transparent about it, it was more the fear of... um, what had I outgrown the University of Good, right? When I was saying it in my head, and even when I say it now, it doesn't have that same ring. Because of the way that I've been kind of evolving and growing as of late, the label started to feel a little too constraining or perhaps too tied to a identity that I had outgrown. And so I felt this kind of resistance I think that's the best way to describe it, a resistance to putting out content under this uh, name, this University of Good brand. Um, But I realized that there was a moment where I wanted to kill off the podcast, to literally just like bury it, it, give it a funeral and say it's done and move on to something else. But I realized that A large part of the reason for wanting to do that was there was a shame attached to that previous version of myself who was suffering and looking for a way to find healing and community through a difficult time in his life. And 
there was a shame attached to that person. There was also a shame around the judgments of those who watched on um, as I went through those struggles. Um, some, uh, you know, looking on <laughs> in kind of a the shade room kind of uh, way and others looking on in compassion. But either way, there was still shame about the judgments of others attached to the work that I've done through this podcast. Um, and so I had this temptation to, to cut it off. But what I realized is that when I, you know, when I realized the source of why I wanted to cut it off, um, it helped me to kind of extend the thinking period about it. And eventually I, I came to the conclusion uh, of finding a happy medium, which is I'm going to basically take the content that is currently on SoundCloud, all of it, and throw it behind a wall on Patreon. And so if you are a devoted listener, you really fuck with the content, it'll be there for a dollar a month. You can subscribe and I will continue to post weekly, if not more, um, because the process of talking these things through remains extremely beneficial for me. Um, and I know that I still want to have that catalog of insights at the end of my life. And I know that for those of you who listen regularly, hearing these insights from me uh, is useful in some way. And so that is why I seek to continue it. Um, and I hope that you find it useful. Uh, the same thing will go for the Instagram content. It'll go right behind that Patreon, and I'll post all those kinds of things there as well. May start to do some writing there as well. Um, today's topic is just going to kind of be the, the closing topic for those of you who are in the, who are still going to listen in the public. Um, you know, I wanted to, to say something that even if you decide not to join me behind the Patreon wall, um, that'll hopefully stick with you and allow you to move forward in your life um, in a much more uh, easeful way. Um, and this is something that I've learned over the past year or two, but it's gotten particularly pointed over the last few months. And the insight is around the extent to which Our minds, the way that we think about things, the way that we see things, the actions that we take, they, they all have consequences, right? And I know that we all kind of intuitively understand this. Right? If I think a bad thought, I might feel bad. 
if I perceive someone is um, a threat, I may respond by being defensive. If I touch a hot stove, my hand is likely going to hurt. So on an intuitive level, most of us understand this, that our thoughts, our modes of perception, our actions have consequences. But I think that the, the realization that I had is that the extent to which our suffering as a, in our lives is caused by our perception, is caused by our thoughts, is caused by our actions, right? Because a lot of time, a lot of the time we believe, one, that our suffering is at the hands of other people that other people are the ones who are causing us suffering. And then the other piece is that in addition to believing that it is others who are causing us suffering, we believe that there's nothing we can do about it. Right? And this oftentimes has to do with the fact that it's other people causing us, our belief that it's other people who are causing us suffering. Um, but even if you, you know, trust that it is ourselves that are frequently causing ourselves suffering, there is still a belief that there's nothing you can do about it. And so what I want to explore today is try to get you to see that, one, the suffering we experience in our life is entirely entirely internally created and I'll put a distinction between pain and suffering so that you'll understand what I mean because there's a distinction and I, I flagged that because I know some of you are like nah what if I get stabbed I don't have any control over the suffering associated by that or I'm being tortured I don't have any control over that. So I want to dis distinguish between pain and suffering. And we'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about the strategies or what it takes to move from acknowledging this truth about how much control we have over our own experience in life our own internal experience of ease or suffering. And then once we've done that, yeah, we'll talk about solutions for um, creating less suffering in our lives and, you know, what, what, what strategies and tactics are useful to that end. Um, but first, we'll do our quote of the day, which is a familiar practice to many of you. Um, and 
I comes from a list on my phone called my list of beliefs. I haven't updated it quite a bit lately, but it's still a rather long list of 634 items. So we've got a lot to pull from. I'm just going to scroll to a random point, put my thumb down and we'll see what we got. So emphasize finding out whether you and your counterparts interests really conflict this will guide the way that you proceed so i believe this comes from a negotiation book i read by martin latz um it's essentially saying that when we negotiate oftentimes we take it as necessarily our interests um are contradictory so if you're going to buy a car, for example, you may assume the salesman, salesman's interest is purely to get you to pay the highest price and that your interest is purely to pay the lowest price. But if you talk to the person and don't make the assumption, you may find out that this particular salesman could care less about getting the highest price perhaps he hasn't made a sale yet and for him he's willing to sell you the car below um what the target sale price is just to get some momentum going in his career because the rest of the office has been making fun of him and he hasn't sold the car yet so once you understand his position that his interest his true interest that he's more interested in getting the sale a sale than getting you the highest the lowest price then you can guide your behavior differently and negotiate from a stronger place of leverage or you know kind of work together so that you can satisfy each other's interests um you know maybe because his interest is to get this sale and your interest is to pay the lowest price you can now work with him and say look normally you know i wasn't planning to buy a car while I was here today I was gonna you know do a little bit more shopping but given that I now understand this guy's interest and how rare it is I'll work with you and I'll buy this car right here on the spot as long as you give me the price that I want and you might be able to get that but you wouldn't be able to get to that level if you kind of go into it in a combative stance of I know what he wants and I know what I want um, because when you assume that you know what the other party's interests are, it doesn't allow you to maximize the value of the um, negotiation. And this goes, this concept applies to everything. You know, whether it's dealing with friends and trying to figure out how to be a great friend to somebody, you can make the assumption about what it would mean to be a great friend to them. Um, and it can kind of like waste a lot of effort uh, or you can seek to understand 
your friend. Seek to understand what are they, their interests. Why do they enjoy spending time with you? What is it that they are seeking to get out of a friendship? What are the things that they are struggling with? And focus on getting a deep understanding of that. And naturally, from understanding that, you can then use that information to be a more supportive friend, spouse, partner, um, colleague, uh, whatever it is. And you can even do this with yourself, uh, your internal self of understanding what are your own internal interests? What, are you, what is it that you truly, truly want? And then when you understand that, it can shape the way that you make decisions and operate in the world. So uh, that's that quote. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, and now we'll go into um, today's topic. So I've been listening to a lot of Buddhist texts lately and uh, or Buddhist Dharma talks by a guy named Joseph Goldstein. And the talks have been very informative. And the key takeaways that I mentioned earlier are that When, when we experience suffering, right, that feeling of, and we all know what's suffering, well, we don't know, so let's, let's first distinguish between pain and suffering. Pain is, this hurts. So you get stabbed with a pencil, you stub your foot on a door, you um, get broken up with there's pain right there's a feeling of pain suffering is the the second level emotion that follows that pain that we frequently add on so you stab yourself with a pencil accidentally and then you go why am I so stupid? Why do I keep, why am I so clumsy? This hurts so bad. I wish that it wasn't hurting this bad. I can't even focus now because of how much this hurts. This is so crazy. Now I'm gonna not be able to get my work done and blah, 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 blah. Or you stub your toe and you say, why the fuck does this person always leave the door open? They're so stupid. Why did I choose to get be involved with this person? They don't respect me. They do all this. Right? So this is the second level of suffering. Or uh, this is the distinction between pain and suffering. Pain is a instantaneous emotion that can last for an extended period. But what makes it what differentiates pain and suffering is that suffering is entirely based on the stories that we are telling ourselves about the pain so you could even to make the example as clear as possible i'm going to take a drink of water to make it as clear as possible Let's imagine that you're being tortured, 
and you're in a torture chamber and somebody is filleting your skin and like waterboarding you and cutting off toenails and fingernails the shit hurts there's no denying about that it's excruciatingly painful but the suffering the mental state of suffering still comes from saying from agonizing on top of how painful the, the torturing already is is agonizing about why me this is you know unfair this is you know thinking about adding all this terror and um, you know additional uh, storyline on top of just the painful sensations themselves right because the suffering the pain is already there you don't need to add anything else to make that pain more painful than it is but we do and you can look at this you can look at this and in a less extreme example by looking at something like a spicy food when we go to eat like a spicy food, right? The only reason why food is spicy is because it's painful. It creates a pain sensation in the mouth. That's why you see that show Hot Ones with people eating the hot wings and they're losing their mind because it hurts so bad, right? But because of the context, we don't tell ourselves this crazy story about why me and additional negative suffering stories instead what we do is we just go wow the flavors are so good and the spice is so good and we're enjoying the heat of the spice we're enjoying the pain of the spice there's no suffering there's minimal suffering because we're not attributing we're not adding a second level you know second layer of story to the pain sensation um that causes suffering. And so once I realized that I had control over, or that suffering was distinct from pain, I that was an unlock for me. And then the rest of the teachings in this Buddhist text, these talk, Dharma talks, and you can check out the podcast at Inside Hour with Joseph Goldstein. It's on like all podcast channels. I have the hiccups. And I'm going to use the bathroom really quick. One second.
Okay. So, um, yes. So once I realized that um, the suffering was separate from the pain, we can now explore, okay, if the suffering is a mental creation, a storyline that I'm adding on top of the pain itself. <coughs> Sorry, this was more water. Then, now there's, now there's some action here. Because you're right. If you get stabbed, likely can't control the person stabbing and you can't control the automatic pain response in your body unless you numb yourself out so what you can control though is the storylines potentially right maybe you can control your thoughts and control the way you perceive things and control the way that you think about things and control the way that you um, behave because all of these things the way you perceive the way you think and the way you behave all contribute to the suffering so many people right a painful experience might happen you have the breakup the storyline runs instead of just saying I'm grieving for the loss of this person who I enjoyed <laughs> and felt an attachment to and now I feel the lack of attachment deeply primal pain source that is ingrained into our limbic system understandable pain occurs man stinks instead of that instead of that just being that we add the layer through our perception I there's something wrong with me they call this wrong view in the Buddhist text and then from that wrong view what comes up next there are these thoughts that come up that I'm worthless that I'm a piece of shit that we should go and binge on ice cream to cover up not only the painful feeling but also cover up these negative thoughts that are coming up the pain created by the negative thoughts coming up and so then we take an action based on the wrong view the wrong thought and now we've taken a wrong action and the wrong action usually usually leads our wrong view after it's done to look at it and go that was wrong and then wrong thought comes up again leading to more pain leading to more wrong action so it's a spiraling downwards and what we want to do is simply shift the nature of the spiral is to shift it towards right view and right view is merely clear seeing 
So this is what they talk about in Buddhism all the time. Clear seeing. When there's pain in the body, allow there to just be simply pain. To simply, this is what the whole mindfulness shit is about. To just be mindful of the fact that there is pain in the body. As opposed to attaching an additional story on top of it. Now, if a storyline does arise with respect to the pain, you can then just be mindful of the fact that there's a storyline. There's one thing that is in something called the Satipatthana Sutta, which says that when there's someone, there's a spirit kind of called Mara, which is like a devilish like spirit that comes when and tries to distract you from this clear scene and keep you caught up in these um, unhelpful mind states and the text essentially says that when you say Mara I see you the Mara kind of van vanishes disappears and the same thing goes with when we are able to be, and you know, especially in, in the terms of this right view, to just clearly see what is going on in each moment. For example, I am sitting on a ball. I am talking into a microphone. I, my shoulders are somewhat forward and a little back. And just clearly seeing, not doing anything else, but clearly seeing 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 and then once we've once we've established this practice of being more mindful of clearly seeing a right view we can now start to pay attention to the thoughts that come up in our mind because i'm sure that many of you have have been thinking like well Many times my thoughts just come up seemingly out of nowhere. So what am I supposed to do with that? And the way that <laughs> I think about it and the way I'd like for you to think about it or to consider thinking about it is that you can imagine it like this. The thought comes up and it may even trigger an automatic pain response because of the thought but what you can do and this is something that Viktor Frankl he was a guy who was um, in a concentration camp in the Holocaust and he wrote a book about man's search for meaning and one of the things that he said is that in between stimulus and response Man has the ability to choose. And so what you can do is, as you have this right view now, where you are just noticing things for what they are, you can start to go and identify those thoughts and simply kind of almost like sort them, right? What is a right thought? A right thought would be one of compassion, one of love, one of care, one of um, truth, honesty. And you can sort those into the, the right thought basket. 
And then when you identify a wrong thought, you can simply go, you can note it as a wrong thought and move it into the wrong thought basket. And focus your attention then on the right thoughts. And what they, the Buddha, the Buddha talked about, and also many researchers, there's a re researcher who came up with the term called morphic resonance, which is the idea that over time, the more we practice a particular habit, whether it's a habit of thought or a habit of action, the more likely we are to engage in that pattern of thought or action. And the Buddha kind of aligns with this in saying that whatever we frequently think about becomes the inclination of the mind. Right? I'll say that again. Whatever we frequently think about becomes the inclination of the mind. So the inclination of the mind is what are those thoughts that are popping up? What thoughts, not only what thoughts do pop up, right? Because we can train our minds and the inclination of our mind and what thoughts will pop up by choosing right thought, by focusing on right thought. But then we can also, by creating this mind, which has an inclination towards right thought, can more easily filter wrong thought into the, its proper basket and then promptly turn our attention back to right thought and say, those are wrong thoughts. Those are not useful thoughts. And turn our attention right back to right ones. And it just takes practice and time. And here's what happens when you turn away or turn towards right thought. When you turn towards right thought, not only does your mind become filled with less suffering, right? Because you're, let's say you're dealing with an argument with a colleague and, or let's not even an argument. A colleague did a quote unquote shitty thing. Let's imagine that you first start with right view and you've been practicing your right view which is just clearly seeing as opposed to instantaneously putting a storyline and pattern of thought on top of what they did. So you just clearly see this person did X, Y, and Z. Okay, noted. Then you go to yourself, what is the right thought about this situation versus a wrong thought? The wrong thought might be I'm going to hate, commit violence, you know, be selfish, um, have aversion towards this person. That would be wrong thought. And there, you know, this is something I'll be talking about in more detail in future episodes is the distinction between wrong thought and right thought. And if you go and focus towards that right, wrong thought, pathway, it's going to lead you to wrong action. You're going to take action in accordance with those thoughts. That is what we do. But instead, if you can turn your attention to right thought of love and compassion, kindness, fairness, selflessness, um, 
welcoming? What is your action going to be? Following from those thoughts, it's going to be much more positive. And then what happens is you'll cycle up as your actions are more positive. It allows you to see more clearly as you see more clearly. It allows you to uh, think more clearly and choose right thoughts. And as you are allowed to choose right thoughts, it improves your ability to act and make right decisions. And so it cycles upward on and on and on just this perpetual upward motion and so that's what's so positive about it and that's why i wanted to share it with you today is because you have the ability to create this upward spiral for yourself independent of me independent of anyone else all you have to do not all you have to do because there's other parts to it but a, a simple three-step process you know kind of very trimmed down from all the stuff that I've been reading is to simply practice first your mindfulness then to practice identifying right thought and practicing right thought which is and practicing right thought means when the negative thoughts come up sorting that practice sorting them into a wrong thought basket and then turning your attention to right thoughts again and when you turn your attention to that right thought it's creating the inclination of your mind towards right thought and then from those that place of thinking right thoughts then take actions from there and repeat and that can lead you on a very virtuous upward cycle towards a life that is filled with less suffering less worry less stress um, and is overall much more enjoyable for yourself and for those around you. So that's it for today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning, um, I will be putting all of the episodes behind a paywall um, at patreon.com. I'll still keep the SoundCloud available um, and I'll occasionally post new stuff just as a way to bring in new guests. Um, but I wanted to make this clear to you, um, and I hope that you enjoyed the episode and, uh, I look forward to, um, hopefully seeing you behind the Patreon. I hope that the rest of your week is fantastic. I hope that you continue to practice some of the things that we talked about today, choosing right thought, choosing right view and choosing right action. Um, please be kind to yourself. Please be kind to your neighbor. And as always, stay healthy, stay well, stay well.